Ever feel like you're doing this teaching thing alone? You don't have to be. Share Teaching is all about sharing the workload through the power of collaboration and teamwork. Together, we'll walk through all the difficult parts of teaching and learn how to streamline our processes, fine-tune our time management, and develop a more manageable workload. If that sounds like a dream come true to you, then welcome to the Shared Teaching Podcast. Let's share in the teaching to make those dreams a reality. Now here's today's Shared Teaching. Welcome to the Shared Teaching Podcast, where you are listening to episode number 61, where I'm discussing all the things about my classroom library organization and how I finally found a system that works for me and has been working for me the last several years. So before we get started, I would like to take a minute to tell you if you are new here or if you've been listening for a little while, if you have ideas about any upcoming episodes that you want to hear me talk about, then please go ahead and go to shareteaching.com forward slash podcast. And on that page, you are going to find a Google form that you can fill out to give me ideas for this show. So I would love to get your input what you want to hear coming up, and that's a great way to do it. You can also email me, susan at shareteaching.com. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive into today's episode, which is one of my favorite things to talk about. I'm all about talking about literacy, in particular books and systems. So when I tried to decide on a library organization system, I had to research everything. I wanted to know the pros, the cons. Am I going to do topic? Am I going to do genre? Am I going to do authors? Am I going to do reading levels? How the heck was I going to plan out my classroom library organization? And I had to ask myself, what is the end goal for my students? What do I really want them to learn from using my classroom library? And this is where I started. And this is how I made my decision to ultimately organize by genres. So Some of the things I really wanted them to learn from using my library was how to find their just right books. I have taught my kids for many years now, my students, I always like to call my kids too, (laughs) because I'm a mom, (laughs) just easy to say kids. But I have taught them how to open up a book, read the first couple sentences, and decide if it's a good fit for them. If they're really struggling with reading those books, then maybe that's not a great fit for now. And I like to teach them that language. It doesn't mean forever they can work towards that goal of being able to read that book. Okay, so finding their just right books is one thing. The next thing was to be able to learn how to reshelve the books. I don't want them taking them out of the bins and going and reading them and then bringing them back a hot mess, right? I really want them to take ownership as well on keeping our classroom library nice and neat. So for this, I needed a system. I also like to teach my kids how to care for the books. Many of the books in my classroom library have come from me paying for them out of my own pocket. I did not get the school to fund me. I did not get donors choose for them. I personally paid for them, or I had generous retiring teachers donate some to me in years past. So I really want to show students how to care for things that don't belong to them. 
right? I want to keep them looking good so that we can all enjoy the books. Okay, the next thing is I want students to discover new favorites. One of the best things I like about reading is when I've chosen a new book that I've never heard of before, and I fall in love with that style of writing, and I look for all the other books that that author may have written. And I want to instill that love in my students as well. I want them to be able to discover a book or maybe a topic that they didn't really know about or know they even liked it and then suddenly want to read all the books by either that author or about that thing. That is really the biggest goal and the biggest compliment I think my students can give me from using my classroom library is being able to discover those new favorites. And then last is I want them to be able to transfer the skills that they're using in my personal classroom library to the school or public libraries. So when I think about that last point, I really want students to be able to use the skills that I'm teaching them and transfer them. So in order to do that, I decided that organizing my library by genre is the way to go, simply because that's how the public library and the school library are organized as well. Really, it's the Dewey Decimal System, but if you think about the Dewey Decimal System, it's organized through genres, right? They have a nonfiction section, they have a fiction section, and that's what I did with my books. So I decided I was going to sort all my books once I decided I was going with genre, and I did what the library does. I made two big piles, fiction and nonfiction. Once I had those two types, I could look through my pile of fiction in my pile of nonfiction and sort through to make smaller categories. And then as I did that, I'm thinking to myself, which types of books within these main genres did I have in my collection? So as I was looking, my nonfiction books were many of the same topics that I taught in science and social studies, right? So it was like weather, the ocean, the rainforest. And then my fiction books were much the same but with fairy tales, folk tales, and favorite author studies, because I tend to do maybe like a Kevin Hankey's author study, a Dr. Seuss during reading week, and I know that's a polarizing topic, but no matter what it is about the author, the students still love the book and the rhyming of Dr. Seuss, so I'll just leave that there. Okay, so when I look at that, I am noticing certain patterns, and I'm labeling these different groups of books with a sticky note. So I might label one that says Kevin Hinkies and put on the Kevin Hinkies books. I might have a whole slew of books that are folktales, and I might write folktales on a sticky note and put it there. All of my rainforest books are going together, and I'm putting a sticky note that says rainforest. So that is how I'm grouping my books, and they at this time, they were all over my floor, and then this, I chose a summer to do it in, and I had actually been uh, moving schools. So I had all my stuff in my house at that time before I was moving to the new school. So that was an easy way to do it. However, some people are lucky. They can be in their school building and do this in the school building as well. So anyway, um, after I had all my books sorted, I used those sticky notes to create bin labels. And this is really where the creation of my classroom library labels began. I like to create products that are things I use within my own classroom first and that I have a need for. I usually don't just 
create them on a whim because it sounds like fun, (laughs) I guess you could say. I am a full-time teacher. I do TPT on the side. So really, I'm creating what's working for me and that I need with my students. So anyway, you can check out those classroom library labels if you go to my Teachers to Pay Teacher store, which is Shared Teaching. And you can find them under the category of literacy. If you look on the left side, there's little categories you can narrow it by. And it's also listed under my bestseller category. If you scroll down, I think it's like fourth or fifth down the, the bestseller page. Okay. So once I had made all the labels, I wanted to have an easy way for students to browse, right? I needed a process for this. And because I teach second grade, I'm always on the lookout for ways that can make learning easier for my students. And my classroom library is no exception to this. So I did talk about how to get started with a classroom um, library a little while back. And I think it was almost like a year back. So I will link that to the show notes. So you can go ahead and look for that there. And... I talked in there about how do you figure things out, right? So this is just what is my system. The previous post was what was my thought process before I got to the part of, yes, I want genre, and maybe walking you through the steps of how you want to decide how to set up your library. Okay, so anyway, as I was reorganizing my classroom library, I figured out I did not have enough of the same type of bins. And I have these beautiful colored bins that are these bright colors. I just find them so pretty when they're all together. And I had purchased them so many, many years ago from Dollar Tree when I first began teaching. So this was my, I want to say my second year of teaching, which is really like my first year because I started with half a year to go. Does that make sense? So I started in, I was taught, I was taught. I was hired in December and I started in January. So it was really only half a year. And then the next school year was when I purchased my bins. Not that that really matters. But anyway, (laughs) over the years, they have started to age and the plastic is cracking and I've had to throw several away. So my nice pile of the bins has been dwindling. And this means I do not have enough colored bins to fit all the different genre categories that I had created. But this turned out to be a good thing because I decided my main focus in my library was for students to understand the difference between fiction and nonfiction. So I want to introduce them to all the other types of genre, but that can be confusing for students that are not quite ready for that yet and they're still struggling with the difference between fiction and nonfiction. So in my mind, I am using two different bins. The colored bins are for fiction. The clear shoe boxes are for nonfiction. And then I also have two separate bookcases to further separate them. So one bookcase is just fiction books. One bookcase is just nonfiction books. So it's a very clear line between the two types. And as students browse, they know they're choosing one side of the bookcase. And because they're physically separated, like they would be in a school library or public library, I feel like students begin understanding the difference between the two, even if it's kind of like a subconscious thought 
as they're choosing books. Like, oh, these ones with all the photographs go over on this side. Oh, these ones with the stories and like the made up characters are over here. So they start making those connections. And I also like using bins to hold the books because it makes it really easy for students to flip through and look at the book covers, right? Because when they're little, that's how they like to choose their book. And to be honest, as an adult, that's how I like to choose my book as well. I like to look at the cover. Does this even look interesting enough for me to open it up and see what it's about? Yes or no? Put it back if it doesn't. Keep reading it if it does, right? Kids do the same thing. They're engaged by the covers. So why not put your books in a display where they're looking at the front covers in order to choose from their books? When you place them all together on the shelves and they have to read the spines or pull out the book to view the covers, the library starts becoming messy and disorganized very easily, especially if they're not following a good system of putting them back. So in the past, I did not have bins, and the kids used the same system that the school library used because I thought it would be an easy connection, and it wasn't. (laughs) But the school librarian had those wooden paint sticks, and so as the kids chose a book, they would put the paint stick where they pulled the book out of, and then they would put the book back where the paint stick was, and they still got messed up all the time, right? They would forget which paint stick was theirs, things would be on the floor, they would put it back upside down backwards. I just find the bins easier. So another way to make your system work well is to make sure that you have a way to make it easy to reshell. Remember that was one of my kind of like non-negotiables, let's call them, is I wanted students to be able to take ownership of putting back the books correctly. So I have to have a system, right, in order for students to do this. And so for primary students, the idea of having matching labels makes it super duper easy. So my classroom library has matching labels on both the book and the bin itself. And I also have a code on each label so students can match the pictures or the code letters to find which book to place or find which bin to place their book. So for example, if they are looking at folktales, then I have them further categorized into tall tales. So the label on the book bin will say tall tale or yeah, it'll say tall tales. And it has a picture, and then it also has a little circle that says TT for tall tales, right? And so they can either look at their sticker on their book that says TT, or they can look at the picture and find the matching picture on the bin and then put it back in the right spot. So once I explain this system to my class and have them practice it a few times, my library stays organized day after day. It's like a dream. So if you still have students that struggle to place books back correctly, consider making it a classroom job, right? Assign a student or even a pair of students to check the library after use to make sure all the books are back where they need to be. This can include teaching students to look in the library and see that all the books are facing the the same way, the same direction when they're in the bin so that you don't have that upside down backwards thing going on or a book stuck it with inside of another book. And then they can also pull out books that need a little bit of assistance, right? And put that in the book hospital to be taped up or cared for later. So the one of the other things I want to talk about is checking out books. 
So in my class, the students use the honor system for checking out books, which means I don't really have a set process for it. I'm not going to be super picky and have them fill out a library card. You know, I did that in the past. I'm going to date myself here. But when I used to go to the library, they had these little paper cards inside the flaps of the books. And you pulled out that card and you handed it to the librarian. And depending on the library, they either would have to handwrite who was checking out the book, and sometimes you would write your name, or they would like punch it and it would like print on there like the date that it was checked out, and then they would keep the card until you gave them back the book, and then they would put the card back in the book and then put it on the shelf. I actually kind of miss that because you could see who read the book before you, and sometimes you would recognize the names, and it would be just kind of a fun thing of like, oh, he's in my school, and I know him, and he checked this book out. I lived in a small town, you guys, so (laughs) we kind of knew everybody, but that was just a fun thing. So Back to my classroom. So the rule in my class is to treat books with respect, of course, and then return them when you are done. So before I allow my students to even go in and use the classroom library area and read the books, I give them several lessons from the Daily Five that talk about book care and book choosing. So we talked very briefly about the just right books, the just right fit, right? So we also talk about how to care for the books, what happens when they're damaged, we don't color on them, scribble on them, paint on them, drink near them, throw them on the floor and leave them in a pile, shove them in the back of our desk, dog ear them. We talk about all those things about what we should and shouldn't do. And then Daily Five recommends doing like kind of like a role play. So you are acting out what to do, and then you have students act out what not to do, and then you talk about it. Well, what did you notice? What should we not do? And they practice. And I feel like that is crucial with our students now. They missed a lot being in COVID, and sometimes I think we're starting to get enough away from when that happened, because I teach second, so the kids that were affected by the initial outbreak of COVID are now the third graders. So it's kind of easy to just be like, oh, it didn't happen to them. They know everything. They were in school for kinder first and now second. But really, they still have a lot of gaps. And some of the gaps that are missing are things like taking care of the books in the classroom library and how to do centers properly and not ruin things. So they're missing vital things that we kind of sometimes take for granted. So it's important to just take the time to be very explicit in your teaching about your expectations before you let kids loose (laughs) into whatever area it is. So generally in my class, students are not keeping the books for multiple days to read them but they often return them the same day once that center rotation is done. And if students are reading longer books, they can ask me to keep the book at their desk. And if they're reading longer books, then generally speaking, they're a really good student and they care for things and they have all those routines and expectations in their past, right? Generally speaking, not always. Sometimes you have those really high kids that can, you know, be messy and stuff as well. But usually those kids are the ones that are are 
listening well, they're following the class rules, right? So those are the students that it's okay if they want to keep that book a little bit longer if it's a chapter book that they're reading. Most of my students are in like the easy readers and that's okay. All right, so I could use a checkout system for my classroom library, but I decided that would be way too much to keep up with. So if you are the opposite, then I talked about this in an earlier post that I mentioned about organizing and finding a classroom system that works for you for your library. But Teaching in Paradise is written by a girl named Courtney, and she walks through how she uses a checkout system in her class. So if you're interested in that, I will have that posted in the show notes, but also you can go to the sharedteaching.com blog and you can find this episode and I will have a link to it within the blog post if you would rather also go back and read what I'm talking about. You're more than welcome to always do that. So I try to make sure that every blog post and podcast are together, right? So this podcast episode has a blog post in written form usually with pictures, and that's the same for the last, I don't know, 20 or more blog posts and podcast episodes. So you can either choose to read or listen. If you didn't know that, (laughs) now you do. So if you're a primary teacher, I really want you to think of a classroom library organization system that is genre-based. And don't be afraid to mix and match organization styles to find the one that is perfect for you. If you want to give mine a try, like I said, you can head to Teachers by Teachers, and I have a library system already in place for you. All you got to do is print the labels, print the stickers, slap them on your books, put them in some nice tubs, and you are good to go. And you'll have a perfectly organized system that's very easy and kid-friendly that will also grow with them. You can use it from, I would suggest, more first grade, second grade, third grade, because it is organized by genres. So go ahead and check that out if you are interested. And if you have some other tips for organizing your classroom library, I, of course, always am interested in hearing from you, so I would love for you to leave me a review on iTunes. Tell me all about it. Actually, I guess it's Apple Podcasts now. I keep saying iTunes. So used to it. But leave me a review on Apple Podcasts to tell me all about your classroom library organization system or what you found out from this episode. If you liked it and found something that resonated with you, then go ahead and leave that there. And as I mentioned earlier, you can also email me, susan at shiretteaching.com. Okay, that's all for now, and I will see you next week with a new episode. Have a good night. If you've loved this show, then join me in sharing the teaching, hitting that subscribe button, and leaving us a review on iTunes, so we can be found by more teachers like you who are ready to start sharing the workload. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Find new episodes each week on shareteaching.com. Thanks for listening to the Share Teaching Podcast. Podcast.